Welcome everyone to the Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, the Executive Director of the International Outreach and Discipleship Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism. And I'm also the Bible teacher at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. I invite you to go to CPE online to learn more about our work in over 40 different countries. To learn about our ministry in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. At the end of our last broadcast in our study of the Gospel of John, this is what was said. When Jesus came into the world, he closed off all of the age-long arguments that people make for getting to God through their own good works. Jesus came to reveal that our way to God was through his flesh alone. You can't get to God by way of your lofty thoughts or your lofty moral deeds. You can't get to him through your own sentimental prayers or by following rules and rituals either. You'll have to come to him through the flesh and blood of the Savior who suffered and died for your sins. And when you do this, you come upon the true purpose of the coming of Jesus Christ. And you find the answer for all of life is in himself alone. One of my favorite authors is an author by the name of E. Stanley Jones. I recommend a book for you. It's called The Songs of Ascent by E. Stanley Jones. E. Stanley Jones was a missionary to India, and he was a very close and intimate of Mahatma Gandhi. He spent much time in Mahatma Gandhi's ashram, and E. Stanley Jones began to construct his own ashrams throughout India, where he began to want to communicate with the Hindu mind. He tells of when he went to India and wanted to share with the Hindu mind the gospel of Jesus Christ, that it was frustrating for him because every time that he would share a truth from the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ, his Hindu friends would respond, well, yes, that's wonderful truth. We have that truth as well. And so it seemed that every truth that he wanted to present to them is somehow unique and wonderful. They had a parallel word for it, everything that he had to share with them. And so if he told them that the Bible teaches us that we are to love our enemies, they would reply that their sacred books taught them that they were to be like the sandalwood tree and to pour out perfume upon the axe that smited it or hit it. And when he told them that God didn't demand sacrifices from them, but that he gave himself as a sacrifice for us, they would say that the Rig Veda taught that Prajapati, the Lord of creatures, had given himself to them as a sacrifice. And when Jones would tell them that Jesus Christ had identified himself with man's sin and that he had actually become sin for them upon the cross, they would say, well, that's wonderful. And they would remind him that the god Shiva is called the blue-throated Shiva because he drank poison for them so that they may taste the sweet nectar of life. For every word he had, they had a parallel word, and he was stumped. He didn't know how to continue to press upon them and communicate the uniqueness of the Christian faith and the uniqueness of the person of Christ and the salvation that he had to offer. And then he tells us a moment of dawning came upon him. He saw that all of Hinduism, as he studied it and as he reasoned with these individuals, all of Hinduism offered the word, capital W, as the word, small w. All it offered was the word become word, become script, become story. But he began to realize that the gospel offered the word become flesh among us. The story of the sandalwood tree was a word of forgiveness becoming word. When Christ was on the cross calling out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That was the word of forgiveness, of God's forgiveness becoming flesh. Prajapati and Shiva were legends, and their actions were not historical acts, but legends as well. They were legends. These legends were the word of sacrifice. 
become word to the people. But Jesus was not a legend, but a historical fact. His dying between two thieves on a Roman cross was God's word of sacrifice and identification for our sins become flesh, come among us. I once heard a black evangelist cry out in a sermon, I want a Savior who puts skin on. That's what it is, flesh. I'm reminded of a little story, a story of a little boy who had been begging his dad for a horse for Christmas. You know, We had horses when I was a little boy, and, but I always had this imagination that we'd get a pony. My father made a mistake. On one occasion, more than one occasion, he would always find some Christmas present that he'd forgot to give us maybe an hour after we opened all the gifts, and we'd get excited and open it up. And Well, after that moment, in my mind, Christmas was never entirely complete. You never knew until midnight whether another present might drop open before you. And I was always waiting for a pony. That was it. You know, maybe somehow Dad's got a pony slipped away somewhere. Well, there was this little boy who was just asking his father for a horse and begging his father for his horse. And, of course, the father knew that wasn't a practical thing. He couldn't get the boy a horse. So the father spent hours crafting and making a little wooden rocking horse for his boy. And Christmas Day came, and the little boy opened up the gift. He saw it under the wrapping. He could almost tell, discern its design. He went to it with gusto and ripped off the paper to find this wooden rocking horse. Well, the boy was disappointed. He wasn't happy to see it. His first response was, this isn't a real horse. It's made of wood. I want a horse that's made of horse. <laughs> it took the real God to redeem us by taking on real flesh, becoming a real human being. Jesus is both real God and real man. He came into the world to know us. He came to know our pain and to know our sorrow and to know our loneliness and our disappointments and our isolation and to know our sins. He came to know our aspirations for something more. He came to know the human longing to ascend higher and go further. He came to know us, to know our sin, to know our everlasting punishment, to bear it all upon his own body in the flesh, on the cross, bleeding and dying for us. In a speculative age, Jesus Christ is the Savior who brings us the reality of God in the flesh. He is not word become word. He is word become flesh. He is God communicating himself to us become flesh. We spoke about this just this week to a small group in my church. Word is distinct from thought, just as the Word, Jesus Christ, is distinct from the Father. But you can have no thoughts without the Word, and you can have no Word without the thoughts, without thought. And so Father and Son are linked together. He is the eternal Word. But this thought, this expression, this truth is not only out there to be known by the mind. It became flesh so that we might know it in relationship with him. We might know him, may not know him, and he might perform salvation for us. Stanley Jones puts it this way. Philosophies point to truths. Jesus said, I am the truth. Moralisms point to a way. Jesus said, I am the way. Religions point to life. Jesus said, I am the life. 
Ultimately, Jesus is the Word of God become flesh. He is God come to us in the flesh so that we can see striving to get to God through words and through the Word. Instead, now we come to Him through Him. Let me conclude with just another thought here. The stunning statement is not simply that the Word became flesh, although that would have been stunning to the person reading it, although it would have been hard for them to swallow, it had a reward behind it. It not only said he became flesh, but it says, it goes on to say, and he dwelt among us. And the word there, dwelt, in the Greek means tabernacled or tented among us. This is written by John, who had walked with the Lord Jesus for three or four years, and when he came to the Last Supper, we're told that he laid his head upon his breast. He tabernacled with him. He lived with him. We are social beings We long for relationships because we are made for relationships. We long for covenantal relationships because we were made to live in promise with somebody else. We are searching for soulmates. Relationships are what gratify us in an unreal world where everything seems to be shifting around us. You think about a woman who's lived with a man and discovered that he's been cheating with her all along. And she thought she had something substantial with that individual. What do you think she wants? She wants something that's real and genuine. She wants someone who says, for better or for worse, who means for better or for worse. She wants someone who says, in sickness and health, who meant for sickness and in health, as long as we both shall live. And she wants them to mean as long as we both shall live. They want life. They want relationship. They want a relationship. We're made for it. We're meant for it. We long for it. The interesting thing is, even in the relationships that we have with others, You'll discover something, as good and as sweet as you are, in moments you'll feel as though it's not enough. And it isn't. Because every meaningful relationship you have was pointing you to a greater relationship, the greatest relationship of all, that relationship of knowing God and experiencing Him. And the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us, tended among us so that we might know Him. You know, I think when I was in seminary, I took a counseling class, and we spent a whole session on learning how to ask questions and give responses so that we may act sincere before people. You know, you meet them for the first time, but you want them to feel as though you're sincere. I think it's impossible to act sincere myself. Act sincere? But people are so desperate. If I'll just learn to listen to their pain words and repeat them to them, I can get them in tears. Somebody finally knows me because they want to be known. They want relationship. Oh, God, keep me from ever being like that. Give me the true sympathetic heart of the Lord Jesus. He came to us in flesh and blood. He came to people who were seeking out relationships and therapy groups and email chat rooms and with their text messaging and their break rooms and their classrooms and at soap operas and bars and, and gangs and clubs and societies, and even in churches. He came to people seeking out relationships to offer them the greatest relationship of all, a relationship with God in the flesh, one that we can know and come near to. It's a wonderful word. Jesus came to dwell with us, tabernacle, tent among us. The word actually means a desert traveler who is joined by another in their journey. That's it. He comes to join you. This is a relationship with God, not a doctrinal, philosophical, vaporous, meditational relationship. (laughs) No. Not the word become word. This is a real give and take, sit and walk, listen and talk relationship. 
because the Word became flesh. And He's among us. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Oh God, may these words be salt upon thirsty tongues that we may thirst all the more for you. May, O God, this be a mere appetizer causing us to long to devour you as our life, as our very being. We thank you for every good gift you've given us. We thank you for every sweet and wonderful and profound relationship we have. We thank you for the love of fathers and mothers and daughters and sons and children and friends we hold dear. We thank you for the illustration of individuals who have laid down their lives to bless. Oh God, we thank you and praise you. May each one of these cause us to hunger for the greatest relationship of all. May they drive us. May your goodness lead us to repent, to turn to you. We ask in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today for the Bread of Life. The Bread of Life is a listener-supported program of Church Partnership Evangelism. To help support this broadcast and the evangelism and disciple-making work of CPE in Asia, Europe, Africa, and South America, go to breadoflifeboise.org and follow the links in order to make your donation. Our radio messages are offered at the Mission Fellowship of Bread of Life, which meets in the Old White Church in the Warm Springs area of Boise. We gather for worship at 11 a.m. every Sunday morning. We invite you to come and join us. Until our next time, may God bless you.